KMTT, Kimitzion Tetzei Torah. Today is Wednesday. This is Ezra Vick, and uh, we'll be discussing once again another aspect of uh, the implications and ramifications of the story of the Akedah. Beforehand, my other uh, my other hat, uh, I want to repeat and invite everybody to join us in this week. The KMTT Drive Week. We try to do this very little. No more than once a year. But uh, as much as we're involved in learning Torah and teaching Torah, somehow or other we have to make sure that there's a financial basis for this project. And so I repeat, first of all, the phone number. We have the office in New York. I suggest you immediately punch it into your cell phone, then push pause on your MP3 player and call right away. They're waiting to hear from you, assuming it's the office hours. The number in New York is 212-732-4874. If you need information, or if you need the address, or if you can donate by phone. And if you're in Israel, or you want to speak to the office in Israel, we'll be happy to hear from you. All hours of the day, when people are awake, this phone is manned, waiting to hear from you. 0524-311-911. We'd like to hear. I think you would like to hear. From us, and we'd like to hear from you. If you've really benefited, if you've appreciated this Shurim, then this is an opportunity to show the appreciation in a manner which doesn't really, really show appreciation. <coughs> <coughs> but it's, it's what we need right now. Okay, that's the Kemach. Now back to the Torah. Sure, in Pashat Akedah today, I would like to talk about the approach of the Abarbanel to the Akedah. Undoubtedly going to carry it beyond, I think, what the Abarbanel might have completely intended, although I think these are the implications of his remarks. The Abarbanel begins with the same dilemma that the other commentators faced, specifically the Rambam. A Nisayon, a test, is a device for the benefit of somebody. Who could the Nisayon of the Akedah, for whom could it be of benefit? Most tests are given for the benefit of the tester, so he should know how well the tester is doing, but God knows. And therefore, God does not gain anything from the test. Avraham Avinu, if he's a tzaddik who loves God and is willing to sacrifice his son, then he is willing. And if he's not, then he's not. He doesn't gain anything from being, from being tested. We discussed in the past the opinion of the Ramban, and specifically... More elaborately, the opinion of Haste Kreskas in Sefer Or Hashem, that in fact one does gain from the process of being tested. You develop abilities. When you pass the test, you not only show that you have the ability, you actually gain the ability. But that's not the Ababanel's uh, answer. The Ababanel's answer is to say that the Akedah is for the sake of Yitzchak. In effect, he's saying, that in the course of being tested, one does in fact gain new qualities, just like the 
I forgot to say kreskas. But what he does say is that it's not the test, the testee who gains that. The person being tested and giving answers can only give what he already has. So Avamavinu demonstrates the fear of God or the love of God that he already has. But, and that's, that's really unimportant. But Yitzchak, Yitzchak will, according to Avamavinu, be changed dramatically and crucially by going through the, uh, the experience of the Akedah. He has one simple proof. I mean, he has many proofs for this, his opinion, but one very simple proof. And that is what we call it, Akedat Yitzchak. It's not a great proof, but it's clever. Uh, for generations, for eternity, this story is known as the binding of Isaac. Now, of course, it is the binding of Isaac. But the Yavarel says this sort of implies that the main actor is Isaac. And we know that Yitzchak is not the main actor. He doesn't do anything, more or less. So the Yavarel says, well, he's not the main actor but he is the focus of the story because the entire purpose of the story is for him. Now, what does Yitzchak gain? Or how is Yitzchak changed by the Akedah? Okay, let me first present this the way the Babanel himself presents it. The Babanel says basically the following. Yitzchak was a bit spoiled. Remember, he was born when his mother was 90 and his father was 100 and he was their only child and they'd been waiting for him for eternity. 70 years is a long time to wait. And and his, they brought him up, specifically his mother brought him up, as you would imagine. He was a coddled, protected child. Had many, many fine qualities, which probably even derived from that. But the Abel claims he lacked a certain, what we would call today, toughness. Sounds like, a, like one of these Western movies. You know, he's, Yitzhak is, is a mother's child. The proofs in, in, in the Psukim that one normally brings for this point is later on in Chayesara, when we see that when Yitzhak gets married, he brings Rivka, Oel Sarah Imo, he brings Rivka to the tent of his mother, who was very dead, of course. And then, Vayinachem Yitzhak Acharei Imo, and only then, after he marries Rivka, does he, is he comforted for the loss of his mother. So every beginning psychologist will notice already that this seems to imply that Yitzhak has a special relationship with his mother. He he misses his mother more than than is usual. Such a puzzle doesn't appear but anybody else. His, the, the central figure in his life was was his mother, Ben Karach Achar Imo, is an expression Chazal used about about children. So the Babanel really draws this out much, much more, and he says that this really affects Yitzhak's personality, that he's soft, he's coddled, he's... He lacks a certain steelness, which is necessary for an Ab. Not that it's necessary for everybody. But in order to be the father, a father, one of the fathers of the Jewish people, Yitzhak cannot really embark on his career, his spiritual career, as a father without some correction to his personality. And that correction takes place by the Akedah, when Yitzhak is bound on the altar and he faces the upturned knife of his father. He's he's at the gates of death and then returns by the mercy of the Malach. Well, that, that, that experience is traumatic. And the purpose of that trauma, according to the Barbanel, is to add a certain personality, a certain hardening, a certain toughness of personality. The realization that life requires choices and that life requires sacrifice and 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 that's part of the of the tradition. That's part of the of the heritage. That's part of the necessary spiritual baggage 
of the Jewish people in the making, who he's the father of, that changes Yitzhak's personality for once and for all. And from now, his career really begins. He changes from being the, the spoiled, coddled, sheltered young lad brought up by his mother to being an av, to being a forefather, to being a leader, to being a, 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 a person of responsibility with the pain that responsibility carries and therefore he's worthy of being a father. That, that, that's basically the Ababanel's attitude towards the Akedah. Avam Avinu is, although fully active, but in fact is really the bystander for the major purpose. God, of course, knows all. The crux of the Akedah, the focus of the Akedah, is the change in the personality, the growing up, so to speak, painful growing up, of Yitzchak, Yitzchak Avinu. This idea of Ebal Venel, I think, can be drawn out more, and in fact involves a, a, a crucial point about the Akedah and about being Jewish and about, and about human personality. What the Babanel is actually saying is that the Akedah is a very painful, both morally and emotionally experience, and that is necessary. Not that the experience is necessary, although it is painful. No, no. The, the pain, the tearing, the, the, the tension, the trauma of undergoing a Akeda experience is a necessary ingredient in full spiritual personality. Now, I have to admit, what, what the Abel is saying is that this specifically was a problem for Yitzhak because he had gotten to say it in a matter that's a bit too extreme, but he had gotten, he'd been spoiled. His upbringing hadn't given him the necessary ingredients, that he had what would be, perhaps, quotation marks, a normal upbringing. He might not have needed such a extreme corrective measure. So I'm going to, basically, I'd like to ignore that, that introduction of the Abhavanel, but even according to the Abhavanel, he's still saying is that, okay, it could be that the Akedah was very, very extreme because you had to correct. You know, as the Ramam explains that, you know, once you go in the golden mean, but if you've gone to one side too much, you need to go overboard to the other side to get back into the middle. Okay, so Yitzhak has gotten too soft in education, too soft in upbringing, therefore he needed a excessively toughening up in order to get someone placed back into the middle. But in any event, even if that's true, the Abhavanel is still saying is that, this toughness, this trauma, this this hardness, this ability to face death and go through it and not be swayed by tragedy, not to be conquered by that medrash which we spoke about a while ago, whereby the Satan places before Yitzhak's eyes the picture of his mother weeping and his own death, and yet to keep going. That's a quality which which is not present in people if they've had the simple, proper, normal upbringing which Sarah gave to Yitzchak. And, and, and that's a necessary ingredient in life. Although it's clearly not obviously a good. Why shouldn't we be merciful? Why shouldn't we be soft and sensitive? The inability to face death in the eyes, hard, cold-eyed, stony-hearted, that's that's not a good thing. Or the, the inability is not a is not a bad thing. Don't we respect and admire the the tears that would be shed? Haven't we been put off by our Ramavino's apparent steely resolve to kill his own son? 
Rabbanel concentrates on Yitzchak. Yitzchak would surely, in his normal personality, have been unable to do all sorts of things which you have to do. Because they're cruel. And, and it's injected into Yitzchak by his own, facing his own, his own death. Take it one step further. There's a medrash that says, it's a strange medrash. The medrash says that the malach came to Avraham and stopped him, held his hand, checked his hand from slaughtering Yitzchak. The malach actually came a little bit late. The medrash says that Avraham did kill Yitzchak, but then the malach put him back together, revived him, resurrected Yitzchak. Now it's an astonishing medrash because although we've spent all these weeks trying to explain why it is necessary for Abraham to do God's will, but the knowledge that in the end it won't be carried out has surely been an important uh, uh, measure, an important safeguard for us that allowed us to, so to speak, say, yeah, Abraham was right, this is what I was saying. of course he won't have to do it. And of course God won't let him do it. And of course God didn't even want him to do it as we've discussed in different angles over the weeks. But here's a Medrash that comes and says, Abraham did it. And I suspect the Medrash might have thought that if he hadn't done it, there'd be something lacking. Or even though his hand was stopped by an angel of God. He did it, but he has the best of both worlds. He both slaughtered his son and also has a son because of because of resurrection. So I'm not really interested now in the Midrash itself, which I think raises certain problems. But if you add this Midrash to the, what the Babarel is saying, then we can come to the following statement, which I think provides a very unusual, but very, very insightful look on the Akedah. It is necessary for Yitzchak to go through the gates of death in order to enter his life as Yitzchak Avinu. So you can say this with Adam actually dying, if you get right up to it, the knife glistening in the sun above his eyes, I think you're probably close enough. But to, to put it a little bit more dramatically, and perhaps not literally, Yitzchak goes through the portals of death in order to become Yitzchak. Okay, this is the point where I'm saying I am probably going beyond what the Abavanel was willing to say. But I think the point is really implicit. Life is good and life is nice and a proper chinuch, a proper education means teaching people to do the right thing and to be good and to, and to be merciful and to be kind and if everything is wonderful in the, in the world, that'll be fine, that'll be enough. So if you live in Gan Eden, you can bring somebody up to be a good Jew by, by teaching them to live well. But that's not the way the world is. And death, sacrifice, to use a word that can only be negative, slaughter, the experience of it, not the fact of it, but the experience of it, is a necessary ingredient in spiritual greatness. Now let's recall that there were three fathers there's Abraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. Three fathers means not one father and child, grandchild, and great-grandchild, but three fathers and then the children. So each Av provides a different spiritual prototype necessary for the ultimate mix that's called Klav Yisrael, Knesset Yisrael. Okay, so Abraham Avinu didn't have to have this experience that Yitzchak had. And Yaakov didn't need to have it. And I don't think that's because they already had it. I think it could be that Yitzhak provides a different element than Avraham and Yaakov. But in the larger picture of Klal Yisrael, then one third 
of the roots of Klal Yisrael has to have this ex- major experience. Like, what defines Yitzhak's life? What do we know about Yitzhak? We know about Yitzhak was that he went through the Akedah and then, and then dug wells. His personality, the Bavinel says Yitzhak's personality was the personality of the Akedah. That's what the, that's what the Bavinel opened my eyes to. Because we tend to skip Yitzhak and the Akedah. We keep thinking about Abraham's being tormented, Abraham's traveling, Abraham's discussions, Abraham's thoughts. The Bavinel says, Yitzchak's life is defined by being the akud, by being the bound one. Okay, so I'm going to exaggerate a little bit on the basis of the I quoted. Yitzchak's life is defined by being the slaughtered one. Yitzchak has died in order to live. Death, meaning everything associated with death, suffering, loss, that's part of the spiritual makeup of the tzaddik, the av the father of the Jewish people. It's a very striking medrash in the beginning of Beishit about Rabbi Meir. Apparently, I think it means Rabbi Meir had a drush, but the way the medrash puts it was, The medrash speaks as though there was a copy of a Sefer Torah that was owned by Rabbi Meir, which had a lot of mistakes in it. The mistakes are all Jewish. I don't think it actually he owns the Sefer Torah. It means that's the way he used to read it. On the Pasuk, on the end of the sixth day, And God saw all that He had done, and it was very good. God saw all that He had done, and behold, death was good. It was good death. It is good that there is death. So the truth is, I have to tell you, the usual explanation is that uh, death is also good. It, it helps people do tshuva. But I don't think that's the way the pshat. I think what the pshat here is that God made all sorts of good things. And there's one thing which, it's really not good. It's a terrible thing. Death is the ultimate, the ultimate contradiction to God's goodness, to life. Life is good. Death is bad. But in the when you look in the total picture, then yes, ending, knowing that we can't do everything, knowing that we have to give up and sacrifice and compromise and fail, knowing that we fail. In, in, in English we say, knowing that we are mortal, that we are fallible, that we cannot succeed in everything. And in the end, in the end we lose, because to, to exist is to live. And if you die in the end, it means... It means you didn't succeed completely. You ultimately fail. Failure, the experience of failure, the mentality of failure, is itself a success. It's part of the success of being Jewish, part of the success of building. We seek to create because we know that otherwise everything will be dust. Now, it could be that Babanel is right, that Yitzhak, among all others, needed this lesson because Yitzhak had been born to be Jewish. Yitzhak was the Olat Mima. He never left the Eretz Yisrael. He, he, he barely left his mother's tent. Avraham Avinu had, had come from beyond. So he knew what it meant to build. In fact, the metaphor for Avraham Avinu used by Chazal is climber of mountains. Right? There's a beautiful medrash that says that each of the Avot came to the Beit HaMikdash once. And each of them saw it in a different manner. Avraham Kira'o Har. Avraham called it a mountain as is written in our Pasha, in Yakeidah, Bahar Hashem Yera'eh. 
this experience was when Avraham Avinu came to the mountain. Because for him, Judaism was a mountain. It was, it was always, everything was new. Everything was an accomplishment. Everything was a struggle. Okay? I'm going to skip Yitzchak. Yaakov karo bayit. Shenemar ein zekim beit elokim bezeh sha'ach ha-shamayim. Avraham, when Yaakov came to the place of the Beit HaMikdash, he saw it as a house. So, it's not a mountain you have to climb, but a house you have to build. It's not there before you get there. On the contrary, it's even, it's, it's maybe not more work, but it's more investment. It could be easier to build a house than to climb a mountain, but, but it's also hard in the sense that you have to do more. You actually have to build every single, every single step, every single block, every single brick. And Yaakov built up the house of Israel. What does it say about Yitzchak? Yitzchak Kira'o Sadeh. Yitzchak called it a field. Shenemar, Bayetze Yitzchak Lasuach Basadeh. Yitzchak went out to speak, to wander in the field. Which Chazal say means the Beit HaMikdash. Yitzchak had been like given the Torah, Judaism, relationship with God, on a silver platter, by his father, by his mother, the first person circumcised at eight days. Now there's a great, great, great depth in not having to climb to the peak, but knowing it like the back of your hand, there was a field, Lasuach Basadeh, means he wandered around the field, he knew every nook and cranny, he was able to spend time without the, without the pressure, to constantly climb forward, so he got to know it in his depth. Right, the other metaphor of Yitzchak that's found in the Pasuk, not in the Midrash, what does Yitzchak do in his life? We know so little about him. He dug wells, he re-dug wells. The wells that Avraham had dug, he dug again. Going back over the familiar is less dramatic and less strenuous, but but potentially much deeper. Making it familiar, as opposed to something that's been that is strange and has been conquered. And something that's conquered is always alien. When you simply digest it, it becomes part of you. That's the greatness of Yitzchak. But perhaps for that reason, the Abba is correct. Never having struggled in that sense to come from a fallen land, to climb a new mountain, to build a house, to spend all those years as Yaakov did in, 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 in Galus with, with Lavant, constantly struggle. There's no struggle in Yitzhak's life. So it could be for that reason he specifically, more than anyone else, needed to have the ultimate struggle, to struggle with his own death. Be that as it may be. I think the Ababanel is opening us a picture that says, you're shocked by the Akedah? That's good. The shocking part of the Akedah, which we've struggled with in all our, in all our discussions, the shocking part of the Akedah is not something to be explained away so that you can get to the main point. It's not something to get past. Oh, it's so shocking. What can we do? Let's now get to the main point. The shocking is the point. The message of the Akedah is life is not a rose garden. Life is not, as I used to say when I was a kid, the hippies, life is not a bowl of cherries. That's not, it's a sad statement, but it's not meant, oh, despite our best efforts, life is not a bowl of cherries. Real life, struggle, accomplishment, is not a bowl of cherries. And therefore, although Rachmanus is a good quality, and meekness is a good quality, and softness is a good quality, but steeliness, the ability to face death, to go through it, is not just part of life, it's the, it's one of the good qualities of life, of spiritual life. Of, of creating something new, which is not natural, it's not normal. Am Yisrael. Am She'oved Hashem. The kingdom of God. It's something that has to be struggled and created anew every single second. Yitzhak passes through death. It sounds, it sounds like 
like 19th century, like 18th century, like 20th century, 20th century existentialism. Sounds like, sounds like Kierkegaard. The sickness unto death. It sounds like Dostoevsky. But yes, the service of God is not always pretty. And the upturned sword, the upturned knife above your eyes, you don't normally think of that as being a symbol of Judaism. Like the Magen David, you have Hasinai, you have the Tova, you have the light, the Menorah. The Menorah shines in the Beit HaMikdash. It's beautiful. That's a symbol of Judaism. Here's a symbol we don't usually think of. That's a symbol of Yitzchak. What is Judaism for Yitzchak? Lying on his back, his eyes facing heaven, his eyes turned towards God, and the up, the overheld knife over his throat, shining in the sunlight. That's also, oh, it, it, it shocks me to say this, that's also a symbol of Yishka. It's not the main symbol. It's not a call for jihad. First of all, it's to kill yourself, not to kill others. It's not, it's not the main thing in your life, but it's an ingredient. It's an ingredient in truly facing that spiritual greatness is renunciation, choice, giving up things, experience of failure in order to create, that's part of Yiddishkeit. And Yitzhak Avinu represents that for us, as the Akedah represents that for us. And I suspect very strongly that those Medrashim, our own Tefillah Rosh Hashanah, that connect the future of Israel, Slicha and Geula, to the Akedah, are based on that point. It's not just that Avamavinu was a great person, therefore save his children. It's Avamavinu was willing to die. Yitzchak was willing to die for God, and therefore life, death creates life. Therefore life is mandated. There's much more to say on this point, and there's much more to say on the Akedah, but this in fact is the last of our series, the last of our meetings about the Akedah, not because we finished. Um, as many as there are commentators on the Torah, so there are different understandings and insights into the Akedah. But, uh, it's the end of our time. We've had 11 sessions. And uh, we're breaking up the winter the winter semester into two. And so starting next week, there'll be a different series. Uh, Rabbi Tzak Blau will be giving a series on uh, modern, modern Jewish philosophy. But I chose not to give today a uh, summation for the whole series, because we're not at the end. So I just picked whoever was next. Yeah, but I know was next on my list. But since in, indeed it is the end, so I would like to close with a, a comment that I just referred to, a comment in the Midrash, about the end of the Pasha, whereby God promises Avam Avinu, Ki Nishbati, Bi Nishbati Nu Mashem, Ya Nishya Sita Dabar Azef, God says, because of the Akedah, you will be blessed, and your children after you. And so the Midrash says, that about the Pasuk, Avraham called the mountain, God will see. Rabbi Yochanan Amar, Amar Lefanav, Avraham said to God, Ribon HaOlamim, when you told me to take your son, I, I could give you all sorts of answers, but I didn't do so. Ella, kavashti rachamai l'asot v'tzoncha. I conquered, I, I, I squelched. I restrained my mercies in order to do your will. May it be your will that when my, when the children of Yitzchak do avevot, they displease you, 
you should remember the Akedah and you should be filled with Rachamim. In other words, Hashem Yireh, God should always see the mountain in front of him when he deals with the children later on. Another Midrash. Avraham raises his eyes and sees the ram. So the very difficult Pasuk, it says, he sees the ram, Achar ne'echaz b'svach b'kanav. He sees the ram beyond, uh, caught up in the in the bushes. What does Achar, beyond mean? Presumably the Pshat is, it means beyond a certain distance. Not not close by, but beyond something. Unclear why it should be said. But the word Achar usually means after in time, and not just after in place. So the Midrash says as follows, what does it mean? He saw and he was a ram beyond. It means beyond and after all of the actions. Israel The ayel, the ram was caught up in the svach, in the, in the bramble. In his horns. So he says, when Israel will be caught up in sin, and, and all messed up, all brambled up, all bushed up in troubles, they will be redeemed with the horn of the ram. As it says, the ultimate Redemption of Israel will be announced by the horn of the ram, what we call the Shofar. After all the generations, same thing, not just at the end of all generations, but every day of the year, Israel is caught up in sins and complicated by their troubles. And on Rosh Hashanah, Achar, at the end, they take the shofar and blow it, and they are remembered before God, and He redeems them, He forgives them, and they will ultimately be redeemed with the horn of the ram. The story of the Yakedah is understood by Chazal, not just to be something wonderful that Avram did, and therefore, well, his children, so let's get a little benefit from it. But the Akedah is the ultimate redemption of the world, of the Jews, precisely because it's connected to, here this picture of the Ayel, Ne'echaz b'svach b'kanav, caught up, stuck in the bushes. And Israel will be stuck in the bushes. Failure, sin, troubles. This beautiful picture, go be the Jews and save the world. God knows it's not going to happen that way. And therefore we cannot set out on this adventure of building the Jewish people until we have Akedah, Yitzchak, and Ayol. The Akedah, Yitzchak, and the Ram. Because this action, the whole, the, 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 the metaphor, the picture that's being presented here is whatever you do, wherever you go, you're going to go wind up getting caught up, stuck in the bushes, caught up by the thorns. The keven, the horn, which is understood in the pictures of Meirofen and Tanakh as being the, let's say, the ram. The horn of the ram is his is his greatness. 
but it's caught up in, in all these little bushes that are stuck to the ground. Prometheus bound, picture of, of this mighty mountain goat, and his horns are, are, are caught in the bushes, and he's sacrificed by Avraham. That is, that is the Koban. That is what God wants. That is the sacrifice. That is Leveach Nichoach. That is the Vitsui. That is the thing that finds favor in God's eyes. And that ultimately will be the redemption of Israel, the forgiveness of Israel and the redemption of Israel, which will take them through the bramble, the thorns, and the, and the bushes. I want to thank you for having been with me for these 11 sessions. I hope we've learned something together, and I hope you'll continue to both listen to KMTT, and, uh, but also to continue to pursue the Akedah, this fantastic, this great, this amazing story that lies at the basis of Jewish existence. And finally, going back to our sponsor today, once again, I remind you, this is the week. Please be with us. Help us continue. It's a little bit annoying, I imagine. Okay, so it's only one couple more days. I'll continue to annoy you. But we don't have much choice here. And if you want this to continue, if you think it's worth it, then share it together with us. There's a lot of work goes into this. I think there's a lot of work listening as well, but there's more work that goes into producing it. So, put in your side as well. You can write to us, kmtt at kimitzion.org. You can mail us to Yeshivat HaRetzion in Alon Shvut, Kush Etzion, 90433 Israel, or to the office in New York, the address is listed on the website, or call the office in New York, 212-732-4874. Call the KMTT drive Cell phone in Israel, 0524-311-911. If you're in some other country, check your email. Get the address. There's an address in England. There's an address in Canada. If you're in another country, so just mail it to Israel. Or give me give me a call. Write to me in the email. We'll find a way. Be part of this great undertaking. For yourselves and for our all together. Let's make sure this continues to grow. And, and, and continues to spread until Torah is heard in every, in every car, every train, every jogger, every house. It should be daily Torah through KMTT Kimitzion, Teitzei Torah, Udvar Hashem Yerushalayim. Kaltuf.